so the, the way I see it is kind of like divine revelation is like adding another puzzle piece to fit into like the whole system systematic yeah. theology puzzle yeah that's it that's it I mean you're just trying to figure out the puzzle and mm. sometimes we don't you know because when you were a kid you have the the, the the box in the front and you have like the picture of what it's supposed to look like we don't necessarily have that and so we're just putting pieces here and there and sometimes we get it wrong Hello, listeners, and welcome to Sevi Sitdown, a place of free-thinking Seventh-day Adventist discussion. I'm your host, Jed Frias, and today we are continuing with our Prodigals podcast series, where I'm interviewing the three current active members of the Prodigals uh, podcast. So last time I interviewed Mark Kattingai. If you haven't checked out that episode, be sure to check it out. And today we have Alan DeSena. Um, Alan is a well, he received his Bachelor's of Science in Nursing at McMaster and his Master's of Divinity at Andrews University. So I may be referring to him as Pastor Allen um, because that's just how I know him right now. Um, he is one third of the Prodigals and he is an avid Raptors fan. Uh, his favorite Bible verse comes from Jeremiah 29 verses 11 to 13 and it reads, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Okay, well, let's welcome Pastor Alan DeSena onto the hey show. Hey, yeah. thanks for having me, Jed. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm so... Um, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I was telling Mark that I'm a big fan of the Prodigals podcast, so it's really cool doing this crossover. Cool, 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 great. Um, can you tell uh, can you tell our audience why that's uh, your favorite Bible verse? Sure. Um, it actually had a significant impact on me, like a, a, a specific point in time. Uh, this was um, when I was in my second year of nursing in McMaster. And it was a really, it was a, it was a, a rough season. It was a, in many ways a dark time. I wasn't necessarily um, suicidal at that point. It was a dark time, but like if a Mack truck jumped the curb, I don't know if I would have jumped out of the way. And the thing is, um, during that time, and I might be dating myself, right? Um, I walked into the health sciences building and was going to check my email because email was a thing back then, like a big thing back then. And phones weren't a thing. Like we didn't, I don't think we had iPhones then. And so you had to walk into like a physical computer lab that was hardlined into the internet. And so I walk in there and there's like, you know, for the, for the hospital and the health sciences building, there's like 50, 60 computers in a row. And it's all full, right, with people. And I sat down to check my email. And I, for whatever reason, I signed up for a Bible study online. And then, um, like I said, it was, it, was a, it was a particularly rough time for me. But I opened up that one Bible study. And it was there at the top. It was the first thing that I saw. I didn't even see the, the title. And I read it in the NIV. 
right? And its words were, uh, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Because at that point, I thought that God had left me. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I started crying, like weeping. And there's people on my right. There's people on my, on my left. And it just, I don't, I don't know how to describe that feeling. But yeah, it just, it, it changed it changed me from that moment, right? And so that's anytime I go um, through some, you know, trying difficult time, I hearken back to that moment and to that and to that verse, right? That I know that God is still on my side, regardless if you know whatever problems is my fault or not, right? And that He still He still is, you know, pulling for me. He still is willing to hear me. He still is is ready to come to me when I seek him, when I'm, when I'm trying to look for him. And, and obviously, as Christians, we all know that it doesn't always happen instantaneously. And, you know, doesn't, um, it's not always a good, I mean, it's not always satisfactory to, to the millennials and to the children of this generation, because we want our fast food religion, right? We want it when we want it, you know. Um, and so, it's not always that great because we got to wait on God's time, but I know that he comes and I know he's there. And I hold on to that promise, especially during the times where it's when, when I'm going through some tough times. So that's, uh, that's why it's there. Wow. That's such a beautiful story. And I can't believe it was from an email. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. Like who does email now? Right. You know, God works <laughs> in his ways, right? Yes, he does. <laughs> Um, so how did you get involved with the Prodigals podcast? Um, I mean, this is um, Mark's um, baby, really. Uh, he puts the most work into it, into it than all of us. Um, I, I'm just fortunate that he asked me to, you know, come and share some thoughts. And so he, you know, from the from the onset, you know, he, he pitched the idea, you know, before, you know, um, in the beginning and. Uh, I guess he was just, he was looking for, uh, for people that, that'll be on the podcast and, and talk and, and share their insights. And so I guess I was one of the, one of the firsts. And so, you know, uh, Mark and I go way back. And so I always want to support him and this turned out to be, you know, something that was good for me as well. And so that's, that's pretty much it. I was there from the, from the beginning and he asked me and so I said, yeah, sure. Why not? That's awesome. You said that uh, it's been good for you too. So in what ways have you uh, grown since being on this podcast? Right. And so um, I think, I can't remember where I heard it, if it's a particular passage in the Bible, but there's the notion that I have that the wisdom and the knowledge that God gives me, if I don't share it, I'll lose it. And that that doesn't sit with me very well. And so during, especially during this pandemic, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, um, opportunities, I guess, um, to share. Um, and so this has given me a constant sort of thing where I can share insights that I, that I hopefully that, I, that God has, has shared with me and that I'm sharing with others. I'm sure there's some things that are just my own. And, and I look back and I hear back during the times I can, and sometimes I cringe. But it happens. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's content creation. And you know, all too well about, you know, trying to figure that out. 
uh, that and, and my verbal tics, you listen back and you're like, hmm, I say I like a lot, right, uh, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, and so you, you, you know, you try to try to figure that out. That and I, I, I tend to like dominate the conversation a lot. And so even now, like, I mean, I mean, yeah, like even in this podcast, I'm doing like a lot of the talking um, because that's just how it is. I mean, call it a preacher's thing, I guess. Don't know if that's a, that's a good thing or not, but we like to talk. Well, in this which format, is odd because I'm an introvert, right? I you to right? do more of the talking. <laughs> I guess, I guess. But like, I'm an introvert, so I don't like, I'm not exactly like one to seek out you know, talking to, to people, but I don't know, maybe it's a nervous thing. Mm-hmm. So that's it, I guess. Uh, that's fair. I know all too well what you mean about <laughs> seeing those, seeing those ticks and things that you the do. The verbal like, ticks. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. The word like, when I just look at my, sometimes I touch my face too much. I just don't like, oh, it is what it is, but yeah. It we, is what we, it we is. Grow. That's life. Yeah. <laughs> that's the life. Um, I wanted to ask you, one of the things that uh, the Prodigals prides itself on, I think, is that you guys discuss things that are not normally talked about on the pulpit or uh, during Sabbath school. Um, it's one of your taglines at the beginning yeah. of the show. Yeah, we try, yeah, we try to hold on to that, yeah. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, um, is there a topic that you haven't discussed yet that you would like to cover and the follow-up question to that would be do you think that there's a topic that you would like to cover but you might think is still too controversial to cover um i don't know if because i know we 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 get together excuse me um uh every so often for the end of the quarter, like figuring out what we're, what we want to talk about the topics and stuff. And I know I had talked about doing one on, or I wanted to do one on, on exorcism, right. And the occult and stuff. And I, I think we touched on it kind of briefly, but I don't remember if we did it. My brain's not really working well nowadays but yeah like there's 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 that i know we wanted to do uh, mental health um but we we i think all of us feel woefully inadequate um to talk about that so you know I'd, I'd, i'd love for us to to be able to sort of tackle that because it's such a big thing especially now that, uh, you know, with pandemic and and everybody's at home and and it's just gaining that much more traction um I, I'm going to, I mean, looking at some, some stuff online, some YouTube stuff online from yesterday, uh, I, I, I got the idea of, hey, there's like a lot of anger out there. Um, and we can see that, you know, from social media, from some of the news clips, you know, we just don't know when, when your listeners are going to hear this, but we just finished our election. And part of that election, you know, when um, the leaders were going out, one of them got um, harassed to a great degree, right? And it was just, you can, I mean, the anger that's out there is just so palpable. And so I figure that's something that we, we'd probably want to address as well. And sort of like in a vein to that, which is probably something we can't do because it is controversial. We, we said from the onset that we are, we're, we're gonna stay away 
from politics mm-hmm. and the political just because you know people have different views and stuff and and it's very divisive and it's very you know polarizing and so i don't know if that's something that we wanted to to get into necessarily because i don't think i don't know if how helpful that will be from a spiritual standpoint standpoint and a you know as uh, in terms of sanctification and growth you know how well that is but it does you know it is something that that i find myself uh paying attention to um being influenced by being sometimes triggered by uh by some of the things that are out there and some of the reactions and and viewpoints and and the way that people handle um certain situations like the pandemic like you know how we deal with with social distancing and masks and vaccines and stuff like that i think that's been sort of like very much in the mix of my everyday sort of thinking and 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 all of that and i wish it wasn't but it is because it's on the news mm-hmm. and we see it and you know i've got to navigate that with my kids with myself when we go out you know and i have to do grocery um and you know pick up my my wife from work and just interacting and trying not to interact with with other people and some of the things that that you just see on social media right and some of the reactions there and i would love to just because i have my own sort of like heated feelings about it right um but i think also uh even though we don't touch specifically on that topic i think for the protocols for us we've we've been clear about how we where we stand in terms of vaccines and masks and keeping safe during during the pandemic right um and listening to you know authorities and and that sort of thing and think you know we we've been transparent in how we feel about that uh trying not to be judgmental when when people have differing opinions about that and i don't think we've we've said that too much i think maybe once <laughs> maybe once we've said yeah just don't be dumb come on just come on and i think that's probably the extent of it but i'd like to think we're we're pretty respectful in that in that regard we put out what we believe about it you know where our stance is but we don't really touch that as a specific talking point on our podcast Yes. So that's probably the thing that's sticking out in my mind right yeah. now. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I would love to talk to you more about that stuff afterwards off, uh, off camera. Off camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so like in the Prodigals podcast, like all three of you kind of fall into like your own archetype typal roles uh, <laughs> whether i mean like that's just who you guys are you three different personalities um the way that i find you to be uh is that you're kind of like the guy who for every question can't give a straightforward answer um and i'm not saying that's a bad thing because what you do <laughs> no you're right you're right what you I do don't. is you like laying down the foundation and you like giving a lot of background knowledge and context before you answer a question so um why do you think it's important to do that or do you just do that (laughs) i i i do it because that's the way that i think like i have to and partly 
I know this is kind of, and so I'm going to do it now. And so the whole idea of um, being able to understand sort of like the landscape of it, as opposed to just giving the straight answer is probably why I didn't do so well in nursing. Because in nursing, when you get on the floor, you got to, you know, you've got problems, you got, you know, there's issues, there's tasks to do, and you got to do it without necessarily understanding the whole bit, right? Because if you do that, you know, someone's going to die. Like you're going to miss somebody's meds. Someone's going to like go through problems and you're, and I'm there stuck thinking, well, how does this, you know, impact the, everybody else and what's that? And so that's very much part of my thinking. And in the context of being able to understand the answer that I'm giving, I want, I want to be clear as to why it makes sense. Um, you know, just not only as a standalone, but how it makes sense with everything else. Right, that that could be affecting it, and so um, I find myself doing that. Probably personally, it's just because I don't. I guess in in full disclosure, I don't like. I don't feel great when somebody um, 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 challenges, like the thoughts that I have. Like I'm not great on it. I don't. I don't. I understand that people will have differing opinions, and I understand that people will have differing thoughts. And I guess uh, I partly do it because, you know, uh, I, if, if somebody were to say, well, what about this? What about that? Then I can refer back to sort of, sort of like some of the background that I've given as to why it makes sense in my mind, right? Because I don't think, you know, and it could be just something as shallow as this. Nobody wants to look dumb, right? Nobody wants to look dumb. And so you try to do your best to give a cogent, answer cohesive answer that people will at least second guess as to well you know that doesn't make sense but you know at least maybe he's he there's not he's not just like flying off the cuff or he's like shooting from the hip or you know whatever whatever thing that you say to basically say well he doesn't know what he's talking about he hasn't thought this this much through right so that's part that's probably why i do it a lot um but you know as a I feel also that I'm a teacher by nature in a lot of ways. And so you want to give as much context to it as you can. The problem is, is that, um, as you'll probably know and noticed, have noticed is that I belabor the point a lot. So <laughs> circular reason, not circular reasoning, but I'll circle back to an, an, another point. And before you know, it, it's been five, 10, 15 minutes and I've already like, been talking without anybody else else giving a breath in so hence now right <laughs> so that's all right um i actually feel like i really as a listener appreciate that you give that, well, that background because it makes well, me you. understand where you're coming from and how you kind of got to that conclusion like you did like a logical step by step um so i think I appreciate it. So I, well, I don't, uh, I don't think you should be uh, hitting yourself for that. <laughs> um, but I feel like when I asked you, like, what, what you, like, what you're interested in, and one of the things that you said was uh, systematic theology. Um, systematic theology. Yes. Yeah, so I, I believe if my understanding of that is correctly, I feel like the way you answer kind of relates to systematic theology, yeah. but um 
So can you just explain what is systematic theology and why you think it's important? Sure. In a nutshell, it's just how, to, how does everything work together, right? And I feel that a lot of things, including Christianity, tends to just have sound bites, right? Little packets of information that's out there. And, you know, for the Christian that's, that's grown up in, a, in, an, in an Adventist home, in a Christian home, sometimes you're just there with these bits and pieces of data that's floating in, around in your, in your spiritual brain whenever you engage spiritual um, and religious topics and not necessarily always understand why one thing has to be another and how they all connect. And I feel that um, for many people that has left the church, that's been a factor. And I'm not going to say that it's the reason why that they don't understand, but I figure the more somebody understands how the big picture is in, in, in the gospel, in the way that God's kingdom works, it's easier not only to accept, but when things are tough, things are rough, right? There's a foundation that they can say, okay, so this is there. And it's not just this random verse out there that I just, you know, that I, that I claim there's a reason why God said it. And there's a reason why it's important. Uh, and there's, there's a place for it in the economy of the kingdom of God. And so that's, you know, partly, like I said, the way that I think, because, you know, when I was growing up, when I was, when I was trying to figure everything out with figure, you know, my, my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with the kingdom of God, that's, that's kind of how I approached it. Right. And so how does it all make sense in the grand scheme of things? What's the big picture? Cause I think that when you look at the big picture, it's a lot easier to, you know, uh, it's a lot easier to stick with Jesus. And that, and earlier on, that's, that's a commitment that I had, right. That I wanted to be a Christian, that I wanted to be, you know, a Jesus follower and that I wanted to have something that would help me when things don't make sense, when things aren't always cut and dry. And so there's a framework, there's a, there's a thing that I can, that can go back and, and say, okay, here's the, here's the big picture. Here's the meta narrative of the great controversy. Right. And that's why this makes sense. I, it, it may not, I may not like it, what I'm going through now. I may not understand or, or whatever, but I, I mean, I may not like it or I may not feel great about it as I'm going through whatever I'm going through, but I understand why it's happening in the great, in the bigger, you know, grander scheme of things. And so it's easier mm-hmm. for me to, to go to, to move on with my day, to move on with whatever I've got to do in that season, regardless of what it is. And so it's just, it's just a byproduct of, of how I've been able to work out my own faith, right? And so that's, it's, yeah, that's just it. Okay, so just for clarity's sake, oh, uh, can you Yeah, get... so what is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So systematic theology in a nutshell is how does everything work together? Like what's mm. the what's the systems in place? Why is it okay? So where where does the where does the cross fit in in salvation? Where does it fit in, you know, uh, uh, with with revelation and and the, the 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 way that we understand um, the soul and we understand um, why he's one hundred percent human and one hundred percent 
God. You know, all of these things are connected. They all make sense. At least that's the <laughs> that's the theory. That's that's the that's the thesis that I'm working with. That God is our God. That God the Father is a God of of reason of logic. We may not always have the pieces pieces in to make to make sense of it, but it's there. And I'm just trying to figure out as much as I can. And I'm sharing as much. Uh, I'm sharing that which I have been given, right? Mm-hmm. Hence the podcast as well. So, it, yeah. like I said, it all works together in some way, right? So, what what would the opposite of systematic theology look like? I mean, I think that's it. I mean, we all is that like cherry up, picking verses? Kind yeah, of thing? it's cherry picking verses. It's so it's sort it's the. Um, it's the proof texting. It's the taking things out of context. It's the exegesis or eisegesis for our Bible scholars that are out there, just picking something and then taking out a huge, like a full blown, you know, belief system out of like one verse, right? That's, that's where you run into trouble. That's where you, you know, run into misinformation and, you know, people get hurt, right? With that. So Mm -hmm. I would think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you uh, a question, but before we get there, can I just ask you, it might seem like a tangent, but it'll come together. Like what is divine revelation or how would you divine? Re- div- okay. Yeah. So as we understand it, there are two main revelations, right? The first one is general revelation. General revelation talks about you know, the verse that most people, most scholars talk about is the verse where God has revealed himself into all, on all the universe and the stars and, and, and whatnot. And so when you look out on your Sabbath trips, when you go out and you, and you take a hike and you look at the plants and the trees and you wonder on God's creation, that's general revelation. It's available to everybody, not just Christians, right? Everybody's, everybody's walking in it. Everybody sees it. Everybody can, can ponder on it. Uh, because it's just available to everybody. Divine revelation, you know, which includes the Bible, which, you know, that's the main thing, is the information that is given to us by God, right? And so when we take the text that all scripture is, is, is God-given or God-breathed, right? How he has um, influenced and and given the impression to our bible writers that's divine revelation when we're talking in adventist circles when we talk about um visions and ellen white that's that would be considered as divine revelation right something that's given by god straight to specific people uh at a specific point in time with whereas general revelation it's it's available to anybody everywhere at all times and that's the basically the way that i understand does that mm-hmm. Does yeah, that no, sense? that makes sense. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. I just wanted to like give that background kind of and uh, kind of ask you this question. How does systematic theology relate with divine uh, revelation? Well, mainly because, like I said, when, when we're looking at the Bible, I mean, there's reasons why we have different denominations. We have reasons why we have extremists and we have reasons why, you know, some people pick and choose and are just kind of like, you know, hobby Christians. It's because what we have in the Bible isn't, you know, a step-by-step, this is the way it's supposed to go. This is how you're supposed to do things. This is the entire explanation of everything that you need. 
Um, and so a lot of times, you know, we get our theology based on the interpretation or how we see things, how we read texts and how they fit together. Systematic theology is when you put them together, do they make sense as you interpret them, right? Because if you, if you take something often say like the gospels and it doesn't necessarily make sense often something that's in Daniel or in Isaiah or even in something like Deuteronomy, right? Um, if they don't match up, well, maybe there's something wrong with the system that you've put in, right? The interpretation that you've given maybe doesn't, doesn't, doesn't um, flow as nicely. And so there's that passage where it's, where it says like line upon line, precept upon precept, the whole idea of the scriptures will interpret themselves. That's, that's a backbone of systematic theology, the way that I interpret it, the way that I see it. And so in order to understand the grand, grand picture, right, with all these little things, the divine revelation obviously is going to be a big part of it. It's what we've got from God. There isn't a whole lot of it, uh, of it else, you know, depending on how you see, like, what we get from the early church, what you get from Ellen White, what you get from, like, other people that, you know, have dreams or visions and stuff like that. And so, in terms of divine revelation and systematic theology, the way that I see it, for me, it goes hand in hand because a lot of our interpretation, the way that we that we see God, is based on the divine divine revelation, right? With general revelation, a lot of it is a lot of it is is the existence of God. There is a God because the craziness of the complexity of a cell, right? There can't be anything else but a creator that that has has done that and so i feel that when we talk about general revelation that a, that a, a big purpose maybe even its main purpose is just to tell people hey there is a god that exists um and yes you might be able to 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 you know grab some tidbits here and there like god is a god of of order and logic because of the way that he's structured the universe, the way he structured cell, and the way he structured gravity and physics. Um, and so you can glean that, but from the most part, when we're talking about the kingdom of God and we're talking about how it works in heaven and how God thinks and 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 all of that goodness, you can't there's no other greater source than the Bible, right? In general revelation. But you still have to make sense of all of it. Right. And that's where, from my, my understanding, that's where systematic theology comes in, making a bigger picture, seeing the bigger picture of, of, of what that divine revelation is. Right. So we can pull back the curtains, as it were. We can see in the matrix, whatever euphemism, I mean, things that you have yeah. to explain it. Yeah. So the, the way I see it is kind of like divine revelation is like, adding another puzzle piece to fit into like the whole system systematic yeah. theology puzzle yeah that's it that's it i mean you're just trying to figure out the puzzle and mm. sometimes we don't you know because when you're a kid you have the, the 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 box in the front and you have like the picture of what it's supposed to look like we don't necessarily have that and so we're just putting pieces here in there and sometimes we get it wrong mm-hmm all right, and so that's uh, systematic theology intrigues me in the sense that you know we need to. Uh, I'm trying to find where the pieces fit the best, not even the best where it's supposed to where it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. So, okay, um, so kind of 
shifting a bit here, I wanted to ask you, does divine revelation imply that the church today knows more than um, what the early church knew? Um, one of my professors would say so. Um, one of his sort of like pet verses, um, and I can't, I know I'm going to butcher it because I'm not, I don't remember it that well, but he keeps saying that um, something about uh, the morning, the morning, something about the morning light getting brighter and bright, brighter in the coming day, something like that. His point being was that, you know, the longer we, that we, that we go through history, the more that is going to be revealed to us. Case in point, as Adventists will now or will will champion is um, Miller, uh, William Miller, and the eighteen forty four prophecy that didn't come until later, right? Daniel previously Daniel and Revelations was fairly a closed box in terms of how we understand certain things, right? And then William Miller comes along, and the movement comes along, and that increases our knowledge in that regard. So, you know, he would be incorrect. He would be, my professor would be correct in that regard. And I guess that would be sort of like the, you know, a good, a good example of how, of why that is true, that we know more than, than the early church um, was there, uh, started out with, I should say. Okay. So the way that we could know more um, the way I see it is in two regards. One, which we were talking about, is just we know more information. For example, you gave the example of uh, 1844, like early church probably wasn't even thinking about that. And then, um, you know, like we have a new understanding of like, like what that year is. But the other way I can see that we know more uh, per se is that not only did they not know about something, the early church was perhaps incorrect about something and now we know that it's different so i wanted to ask you do you believe that there's anything that the early church believed that was actually wrong and incorrect well sure and i, I would mean, like yeah yeah go ahead i mean well i mean uh we had talked about you know earlier off camera like uh, things like transubstantiation and it's just mm -hmm. a big word that means, you know, when you did, I think this is what we're talking about, is that when you did the, the Eucharist or like the, the giving of the bread, like when we do our communion, that somehow magically, spiritually, that the bread that is given automatically turns into the, the physical flesh of Jesus, right? Um, and yeah, probably not. So that's, that's, that's not what we believe. Uh, and yet, Wait, but you would say you believe that the early church did believe that, right? Well, I, I think there's, I, I, I don't know, like I said, I mean, like I said in off camera, history is not my biggest thing. My biggest thing mm -hmm. is systematic theology. Yeah. And so, somewhere along the lines, you got transubstantiation coming into, you know, the, the church, what was then, you know, I mean, what is now the Catholic Church that still holds on to it even even now i believe that still hold on to the the notion of transubstantiation uh that's there but then we split from that point because we under, are understanding our interpretation of of what happens um of of the idea of what jesus is to us in in the salvific sense and why we need to eat his bread uh, his flesh and drink his blood that sort of thing our interpretation of it our idea of it our notion of it is different then perhaps then somebody else has gotten in that has 
still become a mainstay in you know another another denomination, right? Um, and yeah, of course they've got some some stuff wrong because you, you got a bunch of heretics that are there in history, right? Um, and, and so you're not always going to. I mean, they're not always going to get it right. And as we've we've gone through, we've gotten obviously through time uh, to be able to understand and interpret and to think and to, you know, um, have more revelation, I guess, more revelation by God. You know, through the Holy Spirit, maybe it's somebody getting a better, clearer idea of it, uh, of a certain topic um, throughout history. Um, and there's reams of books, there's libraries, there's the entire, like, degrees based on anything anything you want you can get it so there's there's no short of shortage of information and knowledge about the scriptures you know that has come since then uh and so yeah the, just by default we're going to to know more we're going to be able to understand i don't know if i want to say better i want to believe that we've gotten it better i want to believe that we've gotten it right hence you know i've I'm, I'm still Adventist. Uh, there's not a whole lot of things that I disagree. There's not, I shouldn't say a whole lot. There's, there's not really anything that I disagree with. Uh, and so I think that our interpretation of, of, our, of our beliefs and, and the principles and the values that are there in the scriptures, we've come pretty far. Let's keep it safe. We've come pretty far. I don't know how far it's yet to go. If it does, uh, but as it stands, you know, uh, we've gone pretty far um, in terms of how we understand what the scriptures were because we've had more time with it. And if we, if we remember history, right, scriptures didn't come along until later on into the, to the early church. So you had bits and pieces of, you know, of Paul's writing, of Peter's writing, that sort of thing. And so, you know, until we got the whole thing together, until we got the Gutenberg press, right? Until we got William Miller's uh, interpretations and 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 um, understandings of things, things are going to progress, right? From once we first started, there's just it's just that's just the way things work, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I think, yeah, <laughs> I would guess. Fair, fair enough. Uh, the disclaimer: everything is from uh, <laughs> our subjective opinions and. <laughs> I like to think that I got it right, but you know, yeah, I could be wrong. No, I I, I can follow your train of logic uh, <laughs> once again. Um, so the next question I wanted to ask you, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to phrase this correctly, um, and I might cut it if I don't like it, but okay, uh, <laughs> okay. but uh, I wanted to ask you. Okay, so I feel like in the, the Christian church today. Uh, general Christian church, there's kind of like this movement to um, kind of reflect the early disciples. Um, and so my question is, if they were, if they were perhaps wrong about like certain knowledge points, um, would it be fair to say that we shouldn't just blindly reflect the way that they were like doing their evangelism as well um I because that kind of seems to be like the movement where it's kind of like copy the way that the uh early disciples were doing evangelism yeah I, and i think i think that's 
the way that you know going back to the early church that's been around i think for more for the for the better part of the decade if not more i think that's been a sort of a response to the complexity of religion i know religion itself as a word as a concept has gotten like this huge sort of backlash because people leave people um have have um have negative encounters with people in the church and religion is sort of like the buzzword that says this is the bad part of a christian it's the religion that we get and so there's this movement to go back to simpler times to when it first started exploding so you know the logic is to the purer times before you know other people had their interpretations and sullied it or 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 like kind of messed it up in whatever way and so yeah the idea is to go back but i think what you're saying um does have merit in the sense that you can't just blindly follow everything that they did right and just go back to that particular model even though that's you know even though that in history has worked out well um and the and there's a bunch of reasons why notwithstanding like it's a different time right we don't have Roman overseers that are persecuting us, you know, in the thing, right? So maybe the approach doesn't exactly work out. Plus, you've got, you know, they lived in the ancient, I mean, they lived in Jerusalem and, and Israel where, you know, uh, where spiritual, you know, religion and their, 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 their belief system in terms of connecting with God was a whole lot different than we are right now and i've said this in the podcast many times that i don't i don't i'm fairly certain we can't call our nation a christian nation anymore it may have started that way whether your your listeners are from the u.s or for canada we started out as christian nations i don't think you can say that anymore I'm, in fact i would say that we, we're not that we can give the facade that we are but that's just not the case and so even then those the approaches might be different given the external sort of circumstances the other thing, and um, to bolster your point, um, from a quote from from um, Pastor Bachelor Doug Bachelor, you can eat the you can eat the watermelon, but you can spit out the seeds, right? So you don't have to take everything that's there, just the stuff that you know doesn't work. And and I'm all for you know doing doing things that work, but as you said, blind. I mean, the negativity of just blindly following something, right, doesn't do anybody any good for the most part yeah right <laughs> for the most part if it, if we have to talk about god and 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 doing sort of like the abraham thing and just leaving your country because you don't know what's going to have it and you're blindly following god because you understand what his voice is and yeah okay yeah all right sure right but how many of us really get that and so we're left with the passage hey come let us reason together right so yeah don't blind, blindly follow it, but yeah, look back to to a more pure time. See see what worked with them, How, because I do believe we've 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 complicated things, certain things, right? I, I do believe that that maybe we 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 have lost a little bit of you know direction and traction, you know, whether it's evangelism or outreach or theology. I mean, just base. I mean, just straight up teaching theology or worship maybe we've gotten maybe we we've gone to the point where we've got to reevaluate things right and maybe we can we can we can glean some some helpful things of how to approach it 
from the early church, but as you said, maybe, no, just don't take everything because it worked then and should work now. Don't think that logic will really apply, you know, in the long run. So, yeah, I agree with I you, agree. There, basically, that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's shift gears again. Um, let's talk a bit more about you. Uh, you talked about, uh, like at the beginning of this podcast, you know, like how, like you saw that email and then you were crying, but I kind of want to know like a bit more backstory. So how did you become like Christian or Adventist, like accept that for yourself and kind of just get interested in like, you know, pursuing theology? Yeah. Um, oddly enough, I mean, I, I had, I had, uh, I was working on, on sort of like my testimony, right? Cause every, you know, Peter, Peter or Paul, one of those guys said, you know, be ready to give your answer in season or out season. And, and I just, and I reevaluated how, you know, my faith and, and realized that I don't necessarily have an answer that I give somebody, whether it's a five second answer, a half an hour answer and everything in between. So I was going through that and I'm, and I'm, and obviously you, you find out that you're my Christian, my Christian journey, my, 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 my choice to faith, as with many of us, especially if we've grown up in a Christian home, is not a linear progression, right? There's ebbs and flows, there's high peaks and low peaks and, 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 and watershed moments and times where you're just like, ah, I could have, I could have walked away then. Um, and so I, I think if, if I were to give you at least just two sort of um, instances, so I got baptized around 12, not because I joined it and I wanted to, but because like somebody came up to me when I walked into church and like, hey, your friends are getting baptized. You want to get baptized? Sure. Why not? I didn't want to get left out. Right. And so we got back, I got baptized. And one of the things you get, you know, when you get baptized is the Bible. And I took that Bible and I remember just, just um, committing to, okay, I'm going to read this. I'm going to know what's in there and um, I'm going to commit to God that way. So that's, that's one of them. Uh, the second one is actually earlier. I think I want to say when I was around four years old, I heard the, the story about King Solomon when he first started, right? And how he asked for wisdom instead of riches or peace or anything else. And that God, was pleased with that with that answer and um you know obviously we know the the story and he gave him all of the things that he that he didn't even ask for he got that riches and 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 prestige and you know all that good stuff on top of wisdom and selfishly maybe i wanted that too right if i just asked for wisdom you know then a lot of then my life would be successful and so you know as a four-year-old you know, maybe I can excuse myself from thinking a little bit, you know, more superficially and more selfishly. So that was one. And if I were to give you another one, uh, the last one, I think my first campery that I went to, uh, which was in Pennsylvania. Um, it was 1989. Pathfinders was kind of like a dwindling thing for me. And uh, my mom sent me on this trip, didn't know where I was going, didn't know what I was doing fell asleep on the trip, fell asleep on the trip. And then when I woke up, I woke up in Pennsylvania. And by the end of it, I never wanted to leave 
because it felt like the closest thing to heaven that there was. Um, and so a lot of times I would go back to that moment in my life and say, is this all worth it? Because, you know, tough times. And if I were to envision what it felt like, what it was like to be with like-minded people that just, you know, obviously there's going to be other people that isn't, you know, that were only there because of whatever reasons that they were there for. But I don't think I had ever been in a place where there was that many people thinking of this, you know, having the same beliefs. And a lot of it had to do with God. And I wanted to, and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there forever. If I could do anything, if I could give anything to have everybody just stay there like forever, I would have done it. Obviously, it didn't, didn't happen. And as a byproduct um, of that um, and other circumstances in my life, I had my first depressive episode, like season. And so I had this huge high of being in like a heavenly like area, like situation. At least it felt like to me. And then follow that with, man, and I don't want to be here at all. Right? That is a profound, that had a profound effect on my life and my faith. Right? And the reason why I bring I bring it up is is that I think that as as Christian people that go to church and try to enhance our faith and our information and you know the big picture when we go off to to church and this isn't by no I'm, I'm not I'm not throwing preachers under the bu- under the bus because I is one and so um, but a lot of it has to deal with hey this is great everything's wonderful this is this these are these are the benefits you're gonna you know uh, uh, you're going to 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 love being in heaven this is what it's being like in god and sometimes you know we stay away from the negative aspect of it um but in order i believe that in order to fully appreciate the grace of god you have to see what it's like without without it right to fully appreciate what it's like uh the the price that was paid you have to understand what it would have been without it's sort of like the that notion you never know i mean you don't know what you have until it's gone Right, so the co- contrast that that one has between what it's like with God and what it's like without God, what it's like to to have grace in the backdrop of you're supposed to be dead because you sinned, right, is something that every Christian needs to understand to fu- to, to 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 take a hold on uh, a hold of to fully grasp, or at least to greatly grasp the idea of why God's doing what he's doing, why it's happening the way it's happening, going back to the systematic theology aspect of it, right? And, you know, um, and, and, and why that'll make sense when things don't make sense, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah, that's, that's sort of like, that's kind of like been my journey. I've taken... I would say a little bit more logical approach to things, right? And logic in religion and in Christianity has taken a hit, (laughs) I think. But I want to say that, yeah, that God is, I mean, God is a God of logic. You understand, there's reason, there's, there's design behind things. The idea of science, right? The idea of science is really just revealing what God has put in place, right? And so it's, it's not a bad thing. 
right? Sometimes they just get it wrong. We just get it wrong and we don't have the full picture. Right? And so, hey, we all got to muddle through, um, through this life, but in the end, it'll all be worth it. That's my take. Yeah. That's awesome. And I like that you were talking about camperies. Camperies are very, uh, <laughs> like they're, they're always huge blessings for everyone I've been a part of. Um, but yeah, like you said, like you said, dating yourself, uh, Pennsylvania camper. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys weren't even a glint in your parents' eyes. So yeah, like that's not, your parents yeah. weren't even like, yeah, your parents weren't even together then. So yeah, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know for most of them. Um, so I wanted to ask you, are there any Adventist doctrines that you doubt or struggle with or found harder to believe than others? Um, I don't know if I would say that there's any that I doubt. Because, you know, they actually ask you this. I don't know if it's for everybody. And I don't know if it's all conferences. Uh, but the conference asks you when they hire you, you know, is there anything that you have any doubts on? Because I guess they want to know if, you're, if they're going to have problems with you down the line, whether you don't believe that there's a Trinity or not, right? Or if, or if you don't believe in the Sabbath, or you know you you're okay with getting drunk. Like I just you know like you want it, and I don't think there's anything that I disagree with. Uh, as I said previously, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much in line with the way that we've interpreted things. I do think that we've sort of taken things to. I mean, some things to a greater extreme for the sake of safety. And, and here's what I mean. So when we talk about things like um, being a vegetarian and being, um, you know, not smoking and not drinking. Uh, and by the way, uh, I don't, you know, I don't smoke. I don't drink. Um, I eat healthily. I don't, I don't do the pork thing or the, or the shellfish, shellfish thing. Um, but I'm wondering if things have changed in terms of like, um, in terms of like how we, how we approach it. So, so, so we know that we have the impossible burger with impossible meats and stuff like that. Well, I just read that, you know, they've impossible sort of like the company has come out with a vegetarian pork, like substitute, right? Which is very, un, I mean, not unlike stripples, but stripples doesn't taste anything like pork, I'm told, right? And it's not supposed to be like whatever. I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, if if things are farmed differently, like we we also know that in in you know in commercial sort of like agriculture and stuff, they farm things in a specific way. So you'll have certain salmon farms or pig farms if if the idea of obeying the health laws is because a lot of the the things that we don't or that we're not supposed to eat are carrion or or the they're the garbage cleaners like they eat garbage and so all that stuff we put in our bodies and that's not what god wants for us if they are if they are raised differently if they are raised on grain if they're raised on milk, how does that, does that change the way that we view those health laws in terms of we can't eat pork, we can't eat shellfish, 
even if they're farmed a specific way. Now there might be a there might be a spiritual aspect of it that I don't know about, but as it stands right now, our our reasoning why we don't do those things is because a certain way, right? It's it's health related, and if you take that out, what does that do with our with our belief? Does that does that modify things? Does it not? The other example, no, actually, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah, let's not get in trouble. Let's not go through that one. But <laughs> I, I think the so what I said earlier was that I think we've taken things to extreme uh, so that we can keep safe. And what I mean by that is that I think there are are, are some things that we as 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 Adventists, you know, that we've that we've that we've given a buffer. This is probably the best way to put it nicely is we've given a buffer so that everybody is on the safe side. And the reason why I say that is because I think for, for some of us, I mean, for everybody, there's, there's triggers for us to fall, right? The Bible talks about, hey, don't, don't do things that, that will cause your brother to fall, even though it's okay for you, right? You may not have a problem with it. And that's how I think that some of our, 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 our sort of, um, how do I say this? Like our sort of pract our practices as Adventists, we're staying on the safe side, even though, even though um, it may not be an issue for guys like you and me, but somebody else, like maybe for Mark, you know, it would be an issue and it would slide and cause him to like his faith to take a hit. And so, yeah, I think those are the things that I, I sort of think about when I, when I sort of review Adventist stance on interpretation on, on certain things. So that's probably it. But to answer your question in a in a really roundabout way, as I normally do, no, there probably isn't anything that that I I uh, I take um, as not right. In fact, um, I know that we are kind of the black sheep uh, Adventists of, of the Christian sort of family, uh, and a large part is to do with our investigative judgment doctrine, right? Uh, and it makes total sense to me in the grand scheme of things, but um, our evangelical brothers will get caught up on the idea that what Jesus did on the, on the cross was final and that's it, right? And anything that, that might sound like it's, it's tampering with that, throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? And so, that's our only contribution as Adventists to the, to the theological understanding of the kingdom of God. Everything else we've borrowed, right? We've borrowed the Sabbath. We borrowed the second coming. There's nothing that's ours except for the investigative judgment, right? And so even that, even that, that actually makes that, I hold on to that because that makes total sense to me. Because like, what are you supposed to, I mean, what are the people that, that lived before Christ, what are they supposed to do? What what happens with them? What what happens to to people? You know, how did they decide? How does God decide? You know, who is in heaven and who is not? Because I believe that there's going to be people in heaven when you get there. Like, what are you doing here? Right? And then there's other people that you're like, well, why aren't they here? And that's part of the investigative judgment aspect of it. And I can't further. <laughs> and I and I don't know. And I don't know why that doesn't make sense more to our evangelical brothers and sisters so that's that's probably yeah my biggest sort of like thing about our doctrine and stuff in a roundabout yeah. way 
Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. I, that's a very big topic. And it's something that I'm studying like deeper and deeper right now, yeah. just because of how big it is. But I would love to do an episode sometime about that. Sure. Um, you were trying to make the point that like, maybe our understanding of like, the health laws are different. Like, what if we were raising them differently? I don't know mm-hmm. if you're in, if you were alluding to like, if, you know, if, if pork, if pigs were eating, not carcasses, but they were eating grain or something, then yeah. maybe we should be allowed to. So you were, you were alluding to that. Yeah. Um, so would like the counter argument to be, to that be that the Bible says that they have to have um, like clove, be cloven, cloven hooved. Yeah. So like right. there are many animals who eat, who don't eat carcasses, for example, like mm-hmm. a rabbit or something like that, but we're still not allowed to eat that. So would that be like a, a valid counter argument? Well, I, th- I would say, I would say that um, for, for those that don't have the, 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 what's the, what's the word? They don't have the qualifications maybe of, or the stipulations of, of, of being clean, right? Um, there's a reason why they're, why the Bible calls them clean and unclean. Right. And I think we've latched on to the idea of healthful and not healthful. And so I'm fully, I'm, I'm fully um, aware that there might be a, a spiritual aspect of it, in which case all of that throws out the window. But if it's just because of the health law, if it's just because we're trying to eat healthy, um, if the idea is that they're unclean because of what they eat, right, if they're, you know, if that, of what they're eating, but they eat cleaner things because we're, we're able through whatever tech, farming techniques, um, we're able to raise them on things that aren't garbage that'll, you know, that'll do us harm. Does that mean that we can amend certain things? Like I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not about to go out and eat pork anyways, but I, my understanding is like, if that's the reason for it and that gets taken out, shouldn't that mean that we don't butcher somebody over the head because they do that? Right. Um, okay. That shouldn't, and in, you know, in reality, that really shouldn't be a point of salvation anyways. However, having said that, as I was saying, there might be some people, you know, who it is an issue and they will slide the other way, right? They'll backslide because somebody's either, either eating that or they've they've said, oh yeah, it's okay now because they're even clean and they'll go back the other way, right? And their mm-hmm. faith will, will slide. So in that in that regard, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, I would I would I would say that there's a reason why they're they're called clean and the reason why they're they're called unclean. And I think they have to do with really how uh, what what they eat, right? Um, having said that, could be wrong. It's a small matter for me. So gotcha. I ain't gonna I, like I, I wasn't gonna do it anyways. So <laughs> yeah, ain't like, nothing like to me. Said, it all goes back to is it a salvation issue? Um, yeah, like, like something that. like this. It is but I, I and and I think that there are levels or there are concentric circles to a, a person's faith, right? And you move on to the next level the more and I and I think that being vegetarian will help people get to the next level mm-hmm. it won't help everybody but maybe it does unfortunately uh, and this is me uh, sort of like bashing Adventists 
a little bit is sometimes we've taken that that last ring of to get mm -hmm. to a more a more intimate relationship with Jesus and we've put that all the way to the middle. And so I would liken it to feeding babies meat, right? As the Bible would say. Yeah, you don't mm -hmm. you don't feed babies meat because they'll choke and aspirate and they can die. You feed them milk until like whatever. But Adventists says, you know, for some not everybody, some Adventists beat people overhead because they're not vegetarian. Right. And they make that a point of 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 salvation. And I think that, you know, I think they need to reevaluate why why they're following it and why they're, you know, what's it there for systematically what where does it fit in the whole picture i know it's a thing for me it's just yeah it's it because that's how it makes sense to me yeah that's how i can explain certain things and that's how and it it feels better for me when i can stand on something that's more certain right i can't just gotcha. say stuff because 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 somebody else said it says it for the most part yeah gotcha so moving on um i want to play a game with you i did this game with um mark um, in our session i want to do it with you too okay. i gave you like no notice uh just before the interview i mean i guess that was your notice like a minute before <laughs> we started this interview but one of the games that you play on the prodigals podcast is movie casting where you kind yeah. of cast like uh characters of a like a bible story so if there was a prodigals podcast movie cast uh you yourself i mean yourself mark and billy <laughs> okay uh okay are we gonna be we're going to, are we gonna try to be culturally sensitive of it do i have to like that's entirely up to you <laughs> enti i i i'll tell you my answers after i told mark <laughs> okay. my answer after but you, it's up okay. to you so my initial so my initial reaction to the question is like okay so we know Jackie Chan, right? Jackie Chan is like, you know, whatever. Like he's this huge action star. But before a lot of people, like before his fame to, you know, in North America, he used to work with two other guys. They used to be, you know, the three friends, the three amigos of that. One was a guy named Samo Hung, and I can't remember the other third guy. But if I were to choose like us, that would be, that would be, that would be us. You know, one of us, Jackie Chan. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take Jackie Chan. I'll take Jackie Chan, Marcus Samuel Hung, and the other guy is is Billy. I can't remember his name was. Okay, so that's that's my original sort of like reaction to it because you know, we're trying to be culturally sensitive, and there's not a whole lot of Asian actors out there. I mean, Simu Liu, whatever, right? Is there? But uh, if let's see, hmm. If I were to pick whatever. Okay, so for me, who talks a lot? Who belabors the point? Who talks in circles? And whatever. Okay, that would be... Okay, so... So the office... Who's that guy with the glasses? I can't remember. Um, huh? Dwight? Like, Dwight. Okay, so I'll office, be Dwight. Because, yeah. like, yeah. Like Rain Wilson? Yeah, Rain <laughs> Wilson. Let's, let's go with Rain Wilson for me. Um, I think Billy will be John Krasinski because sometimes I think he'll just look at us the things that we say is just like mm, mm. and then uh, and then Mark is Michael because yeah his his puns like his puns just come out and they're just <laughs> they're just crazy sometimes so yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll do that that's, wow. that's that's it 
That's interesting. You you went you went off this theme, then it actually made a lot of sense. Your answer. <laughs> I told you, man. A lot of a lot of my things are logic based, and so. Wow. Okay. All um, right. What? Yeah. Gave, what happened with the other one? What happened yeah, with Mark? So, uh, or yours? I can't, I can't. Yeah, I I can't remember what Mark said, but I can remember what I said. So. Okay. Go. Um, I casted Mark as uh, Matt Damon. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, because he seems really interconnected in Hollywood and kind of like pulls people into his, his team. Good, yeah. So that's kind of yeah. what he did with the Prodigals. Yeah. I casted Billy as like Edward Norton. Um, <laughs> There's a name I haven't heard for a while. He's great. Yeah, good yeah. choice. Um, because uh, he doesn't have this, Billy doesn't have the same theological background that you and Mark have, but, you know, like, Edward Norton's is pretty smart dude, and so is yeah, Billy, he so he holds his it, own. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And I uh, cast you as um, as uh, what's his name, Gary Oldman. Uh, <laughs> wow, I like him. That dude's awesome. Gary Oldman's the yes. guy. He's he's my dude. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was my he's cast. good bad, good guys and bad guys too. Yeah, yeah that's that, that yeah. Good. <laughs> works that um, works i love it i, I was i didn't go the culturally sensitive route i'm sorry that's okay. to anyone but uh, that's okay <laughs> all right let's uh let's wrap this up now i just want to ask you what is uh, your hope for the church and how do we achieve that wow okay just gonna drop that one okay <laughs> hope for the church um i mean i mean the 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 logical answer is i just hope we get it right Right, um, because Satan is doing, he's working hard to make sure that we don't. There's a lot of infighting. And as I, I said, there's a lot of anger out there. <laughs> and a lot of it uh, are Christians, right? Um, and and I, th I think we just get lost in whatever it is, tribalism or theology, I mean, there's also that danger in systematic theology that you just get lost in all of that. You're just, you know, you just get lost in it and all you, all you want to do is just to be right. Um, and we can, we can focus on loving our God with all our hearts and all our minds, but maybe we've, to the detriment of the other commandment, is to love one another. And I know that's very much a millennial thing to say. Um, but that still doesn't mean that it's not true. There is a movement, and I think there is a movement towards being more loving to one, to one another. Um, but yeah, just to be able to just to say that we need to get it right, right? To be able to be right. Because people's, mm -hmm. people's salvation is on the line. And even though I believe that it's really the Holy Spirit that convicts somebody. And so, you know, beating somebody over the head and trying to win an, an argument and a, a debate may not be that helpful. You might be actually stealing the, the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, even though we as ourselves may not save somebody per se, like in the strictest sense, we can definitely stand in their way, right? We can definitely cause somebody to stumble. And so my hope is that, you know, we, we get it right. Um, 
not only for the previous generations, but for the generations to come. I don't know, I don't know when when Jesus is going to come. We hope that it's tomorrow. We hope it's five minutes from now. But it could be a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand years from from now. In the meantime, right? Let's try to get it right and not get lost. Not get lost in just trying to be right. And not get lost in, you know, just things that that shouldn't take the place of love for other people and love for God. Um, and I think that we 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 be it's easy to fall into that. It's easy to fall into the just the distractions that Satan has for us, right? Whether it's being too too busy to try to pay bills and and you know keep your job excel at your job uh to you know keep your family whatever it is whatever distractions that are there also not get lost in that as well because that'll uh, that'll definitely bring us to the place where we get it wrong so i i guess that's that's probably the biggest thing for me right there isn't anything specific that's there because you know um i i think that each church will have its own context, will have its own community, will have its own problems that are there. And so you've got to be able to navigate that, right? And so I'm not going to say, hey, yeah, we got to, to do this one thing. We, you know, we got to get evangelism like this way, or we got to get worship this way, even though I'm a worship guy as well. Um, just the overall, we, we just need to get it right. And let's not, let's not get distracted. And let's not get into our own way. I think if we were able to do that, uh, I think we're ever, if we're able to do that, then God can do immensely through us and get it right. So, yeah. Awesome. Very well said, Alan. And thank you so much for your time on the show. Uh, before I let you go, uh, do you have any good reads, shout outs, or plugins that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, man. I... I've been a hermit for the last, I don't know how many, whatever. Like, so everything else is just like about homeschooling. So I don't think that's necessarily something that's, that's, that's there. Um, if I do, if I, if I do have, um, if I do have any recommendations, um, you know, when it comes to relationships, I'll always say, Hey, you got to read the five love, lang love languages. And um, Love and Respect by Dr. Emmerich. Emmerich? Emmerich? Anyways, yeah. So I think those help us with, you know, how we, how we deal with not only our significant other, but it helps us with, you know, just people in general. And that goes back to, like, my point where, yeah, we can love our God the greatest that we can, but, you know, are we loving everybody else to that extent? Right? So I think I'll probably go with that. Okay. And I'll shout out once again the, and I mean, I'll plug in once again the Prodigals podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's link it. To in <laughs> the description down below. Other than that, thank you, Alan, so much for your time. Thanks for having me, man. Take it easy.